and that will help you. So we are moving into um, not 40 days of fasting, uh, a new series on the book of Acts, all right? It's called The Church. There is a slide, a title slide somewhere back there. Uh, there we go. The Church, a study of Acts. I thought that, man, maybe I need glasses. I thought that said a study of facts, and I'm going blind. <laughs> um, so, oh yeah, one praise report. So last night, if if you were in prayer last night, we had a bunch of requests. Last night, one of my requests was that uh, my sister-in-law uh, was having a baby last night, and the baby was born, and uh, she was nine pounds. Yeah, I was 10 pounds, but, you know, I was thinking, the bigger the baby, the greater the blessing. <laughs> and I don't know if my parents would agree. <laughs> yeah, that is unscriptural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I won't go there. Um, Jesus sees my heart <laughs> and my pride and convicts me. So uh, we're talking about the book of, of Acts. And um, the book of Acts is all about uh, the story of establishing the church. All right, so we're, we're not actually going to start in the beginning of Acts. We're going all the way to Acts 17. But before I start reading uh, the scripture, I have a quick question. Has anybody ever looked up and admired anybody? You know, me? So I have as, not, you don't admire me. That's <laughs> I mean, by all means, go for it. Um, you know, just follow me as I follow Christ. So, or imitate me. I'm just trying to be like Paul. Anyways, when I was a kid, I looked up to Michelangelo, okay? Now, he was a great painter. He did, you know, I, I don't know what he did, but he did some pretty sweet paintings, all right? But I'm not talking about the painter. I'm talking about the turtle, all right? <laughs> yeah? Michelangelo was funny, and he was goofy, and, uh, and he was awesome, and so I went out and asked my mom to take me to Toys R Us. And Toys R Us back then had like these um, Ninja Turtle costumes. This is like the 90s. These costumes that, you know, with like the, the eye band and like the uh, nunchucks and, and everything. And it was awesome. And I, I wanted to be Michelangelo. And I'm like, man, he's so cool. He can do all these things. And then it, it didn't take me long before I realized that I can't ninja like the Ninja Turtles. All right? I had no ninja skills. Okay? You ask me to kick, and I'll probably rip my pants. So it's, it's not going to be good. But when, when I looked at this person of Paul, when, when I looked at Paul, I thought, man, I want to be like Paul. And then you start reading about his life. And you're like, eh, maybe not so much. Maybe I could do with, like, the... Uh, you know, with just like, let's just talk and like build the people of the church. But the whole imprisonment thing, I'm not about that. You know, the, the whole beating and getting kicked out of towns and secretly having to leave during the night, maybe not. But there are characteristics of Paul that I think that we all need in order to build this church. Um, let's go to our, our scripture. So Paul is on his missionary journey, all right? He travels all over uh, to build the church. And you can open your Bibles to Acts 17, uh, verse 10. You can start there. 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I'm reading out of the NIV, uh, probably, where I copy and pasted it from BibleGateway.com. I think that's the right one. Um, so, um, as soon, we're, we're going to start there. Does anybody need more time? Everyone's there. Um, by the way, I always encourage to bring a, f- a physical Bible, but I guess digital is cool now. I just learned better by highlighting something. Um, also, quick tangent, you know you can buy Bible highlighters? It's amazing. Um, if you didn't know, that's kind of mind-blowing to me. Um, <laughs> as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away uh, to Berea. On arriving there, we've, by the way, we've got a bit of scripture, so bear with me, all right? On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those of Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So before he went here, he went to Thessalonica, and they didn't really appreciate what he was saying, okay? So they, uh, they, they rioted, and he had to leave, and it wasn't a pretty situation. Um, as a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitated the crowds and stirring them up. Believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed, greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So, one of the, before I continue, I, I want to highlight a couple of things. That Paul, as he walked around, as he entered Athens, he was greatly distressed. And uh, it, it is said that it was easier to find an idol to a god than it was to find a man walking around Athens. Like, this is how many idols there were. And I emphasize greatly distressed because it, it highlights his, his heart to say, man, these people are so far from God. And everywhere he went, his, his heart was to proclaim the gospel, but he had this recognition and this heart to see people encounter Jesus. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And so babbler is a bit of a weird term. It's, it, you could also identify that as like a seed picker, right? So what they would see is they saw him as somebody who picked out different philosophies and ideas and kind of jammed them together to make his story and his idea and his uh, message. What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. And studying that, they thought that maybe Jesus was one God, but there was also another God called the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, which is Mars Hill, uh, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. 
You were bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who, brought, or who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar uh, with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And, in, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he, he himself gives everything, everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. He's essentially saying this is who God is, and he has guided our history. He is the guide of history. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. It's in him that we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Right, so he's, one thing that I want to highlight real quick is that Paul is dialoguing with these people differently than, than he would with the Jews or with the Greeks, right? Um, or with the, the Gentiles, right? If he was talking to the Jews, he'd start with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he'd go through the Bible. But here he's actually picking and, and recognizing um, what uh, their, their, their thinking is and what their ideas are. And he's using that to help them understand the message of the gospel. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, and now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, uh, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Let, let, let's pray before we continue. God, I just thank you for your word. God, it is alive, it is active, it does not return void. And so, Jesus, I, I just pray, God, that you would open up our eyes to what you have to say. Jesus, help us to have a more, a higher reverence for your word. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so, uh, what is Paul doing here? You, go, you can go to the next slide. What is, actu what, like, what is Paul doing? It's like, yeah, he's discussing, you know, he's uh, telling others about Jesus. You know, he, he wasn't on vacation. Um, what, maybe he was just like having coffee with them and, and just like hanging out with them. He's like, oh, you know, getting to know you and, and hanging out. And, 
And it's kind of that, but when it boils down to it, he was telling people about Jesus. In other words, he was evangelizing. All right? Has anybody ever heard that word before? Evangelizing? What does it mean? Yeah, that's right. Sharing the gospel. All right? Sharing the gospel with those around us. I remember um, in... When, when I went to New York City, um, we, we did all sorts of things. Um, you know, we were ministering in homeless shelters. We were praying for people on the streets. We were handing out blankets for homeless across from uh, Trump Tower. But there was one thing that scared me to death to do, all right? Telling people about Jesus is harder than it looks, you know? It's, and and l- later on, we're going to get into some things which I think really help us um, in that. But there's one thing that we were asked and required to do. And so when we tra- when you travel anywhere, has anybody been to New York City? Right? So if you've been in New York City, you'll know that to get to places, you need to take the subway. Unless you're like, like a, a G and you take the car everywhere, right? You know, if, if you've got the money to do the gas and you don't mind patience and waiting in, you know, in, uh, in traffic forever... Um, by all means, drive everywhere. But you take the subway. And so one of the things that they said was, okay, team, we, each of you, we, were, we had four teams with a team leader from, it's called New York School of Urban Ministry. And uh, our team leader was to randomly select people on our team to preach the gospel on the subway. How many of you would love to do that? <laughs> right? It's scary. And thankfully, I didn't get picked. <laughs> God was, you know, leading me that day, and he was working on my heart. And I'm thankful he said, not you, and he answered my prayer. So, but each and every one of us, everyone, is called to tell people about Jesus. And so I, w- I was reading um, this, this thing on Dare to Share, and I said, what are the I was curious to see, what are like the the five reasons people don't share the gospel? The first one is, I don't have slides for this, so so just take notes and listen. All right, the first one is fear. Uh, Sharing your faith is a scary prospect. You can lose faith and friends uh, as a result of communicating this narrow-mindedness message of the gospel, even when you do so in love. When choosing between being accepted by others and sharing the good news, too often Christians choose silence. Fear is the biggest culprit that keeps most Christians from evangelizing. The cure is uh, Ephesians 6, 19-20 says, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. The second one is ignorance. There are many Christians who deep down inside want to share their faith, but they honestly don't know what to say. All right? 1 Corinthians 15, 3, 4 says, For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. If anybody asks what the gospel is about, 1 Corinthians 15, For Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried and raised on the third day. So, fear, ignorance. The first one is arrogance. Sadly, there are Christians who think that they are above sharing the gospel. After all, isn't that what they pay the pastor, the youth leader, the missionary to do? (sighs) 
man. Uh, these Christians want to sing about Jesus in the sanctuary, exegete his book on Sunday, um, but don't want to get their hands defiled um, with the disease and dirty sinners by having to actually talk to them. Luke 5, 30 to 32 says, And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Number four is apathy. Sadly, there are many who call themselves Christians, but they just don't care about the lost. They believe that there is a hell. They know that, that those who don't know Jesus will go there forever, but they, for whatever reason, just don't care. They have lost their first love and therefore refuse to do what he commands. And like the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, if they don't start letting their lights shine, they could have their candles snuffed out. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We need to have compassion for the lost. Matthew 9, 36. And lastly, bad theology. This brand of bad theology has a big range. Um, one extreme defangs hell by making it mythical or instantaneous suffering, uh, therefore removing the urgency to evangelize. It's like this idea of universalism, which means that everybody goes to heaven, and, and when you die, you get there, and you get a second chance. And God's, uh, Jesus is standing there and saying, okay, well, you can either believe in me or you can go to hell. And they're like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to believe in you because I know this is real now. That's uh, not scriptural by any means. Um, after all, if, if God is sovereign in salvation, why evangelize? 2 Timothy 2.10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. But fear. That day in the subway, I was scared. All right? I, you know what I do when I'm scared? I just pretend to sleep. All right? That, that's like my go-to. If I'm in the subway and someone's like, you need to preach, I'll, I'll just be like, <laughs> I'll be like out cold. I'm like, sorry, I didn't have my coffee today. And now I have no excuse because I haven't had coffee in three weeks and I feel better than I ever have. So, we are called to spread the gospel, the good news. What was your, res uh, a lot of it is going back to salvation. Like when we first got saved, you know, when, when Paul first got saved, uh, he spent some time with the apostles, and, and he studied, and he had mentors, and, and then he went on his journey. When I first got saved at youth group, I went out to McDonald's and had a Big Mac meal. So, it's a very big difference. So, I don't know about you, all right? I feel, I, I felt the hunger of my spirit and my belly in one night, and that's a good night, okay? But, Paul gets converted, and he's, he, he uh, really nourishes his soul, and, and he was overcome and enthralled by what Jesus has just done to him and told him and saved him from. So, we can go to the next slide. So, back to our scripture, if you throw that up there. I believe. There we go. All right, so... Here's a quick recap of, of where he's been, uh, missionary journey within chapter 17. So in Thessalonica, which is before where we read, uh, he told the Jews about the Messiah, and some were saved. He experienced a riot, which got Jason in trouble. Okay, Jason, you don't read him up about much, okay? Jason's role in this is he was uh, housing Paul, 
all right? And he got in a bit of trouble. So when the riders came for him, he said, okay, you better just get out of here, all right? And so they left, and they came for him, all right? That's who Jason is. Uh, and, then, and then he just snuck away. And Berea, the Berean Jews received the message uh, with more welcome, and many Jews and Greeks believed. Other Jews stirred up crowds and sent Paul away, but kept Silas and Timothy in Berea. Next slide, please. And now in Athens, which is a city full of idols, uh, Paul reasoned with anyone in there, Jews, God-fearing Greeks, anyone who happened to be in the marketplace. Uh, it says day by day he was just talking to people. He would just like see somebody in the marketplace and say, hey, let's have a conversation. Because they were all intrigued. And what, one, one thing that, that gave me the idea of, of, of even today is, is that there is a hunger for something more. And many people don't know what that is. But we have this message. We have this message that says, okay, you want purpose in your life. You can go to everything around you and figure that out yourself, or you can trust in the God who made you and who sent his son to die for you and live in his purpose and his identity in Christ. So he discusses with the uh, uh, Epicureans and Stoics about the ideas he had, uh, gave a call to repentance and called them ignorant for worshiping what they did not know. And then he proclaimed the character of God, his sovereignty, and how God has guided history, and some believed. There was a, uh, um, somebody in the past, I think his name was St. Francis of Assisi, had a Bible college teacher who said, one thing that he quoted was, preach the gospel and if necessary use words. And I'm like, well... How are they going to know if you don't say something with your mouth? You know, I get what he's saying. But we need to tell people about Jesus. All right? If they don't know you're a Christian and all you do is good deeds and you don't say a word about Jesus, how are people going to understand the gospel and be saved? Did Paul just walk up and high-five everybody? No, he was in the marketplace, in the synagogues, talking about Jesus. So Paul walks into Athens, and again, uh, the, the, the author Petronius, a, a contemporary writer of Nero's court, says satirically that it was easier to find a god in Athens than a man. It is so easy for us to make idols in this lifetime, and the things that we have, and, and the things that, that we do. Um, the Epicureans were people who were materialistic, and, and everything happened by chance, and death was the end of everything. And the Stoics believed that everything was God, that we all have part of God's spirit. And so there is this hunger that they have that Paul recognizes, that you have all these different ideas, but let me tell you about the one that trumps them all. Let, let me give you a clue on what is actually happening. So Paul was on mission. You can go to the next slide. Paul was on mission. He preached with boldness. He had conversations about Jesus to anybody. He had a clear passion for, what, for God that went beyond understanding. There was no doubt in his mind that Jesus is who he says he is. There's a scripture on the next slide, and it's... Uh, Romans 1.16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Um, so I, I was read, does anybody know who Penn and Teller are? 
Yeah, so Penn and Teller are magicians, all right? They, they do that show called Fool Us, and then magicians show up, and then they do all sorts of, like, really sweet magic tricks. That was also something I wanted to be as a kid. I wanted to be a magician and then evangelize through magic, all right? <laughs> I don't know. How <laughs> I don't know if they go together, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dove, Holy Spirit. All right. So I think it was Penn Gillette that... Fun fact, my brother was in Ireland, and he walked right by him, and he's like, yo, I just saw Pendulette, and he's like this tall, and he's massive. But he said, he's like, he, he's an atheist, but one thing that he said, being an atheist, is that if, if you have this message that you are so passionate about, and you believe that if somebody doesn't follow this message, that they will actually die and spend an eternity in, in hell, isn't, like, aren't you doing a disservice by not telling them about it? Like, if, if their eternal life is in, in the palm of this message, right, why shouldn't we tell people? And I'll be honest, it's still hard for me, too. It's still hard for me to go up there and just, you know, it's, it's, it's easier in this setting on, like, a Wednesday, Thursday night, or at Alpha, or whatever we're doing. Um, but when, when I'm out there in, in the marketplace, as the Bible says, where, where Paul was, or I'm just around, it's just, like, it's difficult, it, it, it really is. Um, but we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel message. You know, I've dreamt of uh, doing some pretty great things. You know, um, when, when I was in, when I came out of Bible college, I'm like, what church has the, the biggest youth group ever? All right? And I'm like, okay, so I looked it up. And I'm like, KRT. All right? Jason's going to have a good laugh at this. I'm like, okay, I'm getting the youth pastor position at KRT. I say Jason's going to laugh because that's where he was. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't know he was there at that time. I'm like, maybe I'll take his job. Um, and thankfully God said no because I don't want to go there. So, yeah, after the fact, I'm just like, thank God for saving me and sending somebody else. Pastor Jason, you did a great job. Um. But I dreamt of, of, of doing great things, but throughout my life, I was insecure, I was doubtful. But over time, I had to believe that, that God was greater than my insecurity. A lot of us don't, being, don't, don't like being uncomfortable in church. And sometimes, I think, well, if we are too comfortable being comfortable, then how is God going to work through us? If we're not willing to try new things and, and speak out a little bit and allow the Holy Spirit to move us, then how are we going to be effective in advancing his kingdom? And go to the next slide, I think. Yeah, so how do we get this boldness? All right, how, how do we get this, this boldness that, that Paul has in the scriptures? Well, I think the answer is easy, and it's on the next slide. We need Jesus, all right? You need Jesus, all right? And, and sometimes people want this really, like, deep theological answer with, like, lots of meat. But when it comes down to it, we need Jesus. We need to want more of him. He deserves our undivided attention in all aspects of life. It's not like, it's, it's not like you just come to church and you just give him your attention. It's like he wants to be in all and work through all in our life. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Psalm 86, 11 
says. I think to need more of Jesus means that we need to fear him, fear the Lord. This isn't like getting scared, but it means having such an awe, such a respect, such a reverence for the king of kings. All right? And I think too often in our busy schedules, in our busy days, we don't fear the Lord. Paul's reverent um, awe for Christ, whom he represents as an apostle, motivated him to keep carrying the gospel of salvation to more and more people. If you go to the next slide, there's a scripture there. It says, since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Do we know what it is to fear the Lord? All right. And if you don't, ask the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. Read the scriptures. Build new spiritual habits. We try to, so we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. So his reverent awe for Christ moved him and motivated him to keep hearing the gospel of salvation to more and more people. Because of the fear of the Lord, we tell others of the transformational power of Jesus, of the gospel. Next slide, please. All right, so he continues. He says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. We should no longer live for ourselves. Christ's love is what is compelling us. Not just our feelings, not just our tradition of coming to church, all right? Not just the, the things in the church, but Christ's love compels us. To be the church is to spread the gospel, but our lives need to fear the Lord, to revere Him as Lord, to recognize His greatness and His glory. I want to do. I want to conclude with something a, a little different. Um, there are, and Chris, you can come on up. Play a little something in the background here. Um, I want to take some time in uh, in prayer. And we've been praying this past uh, 21 days, and we've seen God do some pretty amazing things in prayer. Um, but what Paul is doing on his missionary journey, I think, is something that, even for myself sometimes, has become a little bit stagnant in the church. And we, we, we pass, and we say, well, I invited them to church, and they didn't show up. Invite them again, all right? Say, hey, uh, so what do you think of Jesus, right? Like, like, what if you just, like, name drop Jesus in a conversation? Or, like, if somebody asks you, like, how is it that, that you're so strong in this situation and you walk through this difficulty? Um, it's like, well, Jesus is the one who carries me. He's the one who guides me. He's the one who walks, walks, walks through me and journeys with me. How is it that during my anxious moments, I, I can actually do things, I can actually push forward scared, right? So I always say if somebody is anxious and worried and you're scared to do something you know you need to do, do it scared. Because God's the one that goes with you and he walks through these things with you and he says, I am with you. It's God. It's the work of God in our life. But one thing I believe is for us to prepare ourselves every day and we'll start today is I believe it's important for us to get back to the reverence for the Lord to actually set him up as the Lord of our lives, on the throne of our hearts. There are three things that I believe is going, God is calling us 
to do. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll put the, uh, the first one up. You can go to the next slide. Oh, I do have, oh, you can, yeah, pause here for now. So God is calling us to make him all of our lives, everything that, that we do, all that we are. And so A.W. Tozer says this, quoting uh, Brother Lawrence, who wrote Practice of the Presence of God, says, If I'm washing dishes, I do it to the glory of God. If I pick up a straw from the ground, I do it to the glory of God. I'm in communion with God all the time. He said, The rules tell me that I have to take time off alone to go alone and pray, and I do, but at such times do not differ any from my regular communion. He had learned the art of fellowship with God, continuous and unbroken. And I think if we're going to reveal, revere the Lord and, and truly fear the Lord, we need a continual and unbroken communion with God. So the first one I think that, that we need to, to pray over. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to read a list, and then I'm going to read some scriptures, right? and then we're going to have about 30 seconds of just prayer, all right? Just on your own, all right? And just to reflect on the scriptures that, that are on the screen. All right, so you can put the next slide up. So I think we're called to three things. The first one is the call to repentance, where we have lived for ourselves. We have disobeyed the Lord. Where we lived in fear of people. Where we made excuses to not follow God's leading and where we have sinned against God. And you can put out the, the scriptures after that. Psalm 139, 23, 24 says, Search me, God, and know my anxious heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I want you to just take a moment, think about these things and say, Lord, forgive me. Just take a moment and pray now. God, we just come to you with a repentant heart where we have tried to force our own ways into things and not have, have not followed the leading of your spirit. Lord, forgive us where we have sinned against you. Forgive us where we have intentionally disobeyed the following of your spirit. Help us. Help me, God. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to live in communion with you. Forgive us, Lord. Search us, God. Know our hearts. If there's any part of us that doesn't belong, that, that doesn't worship you, that, that bows a knee to something else, another idol or whatever it is, God, remove that. And may we see God. In Jesus' name. Put the next slide up. The next one is a call to reverence and right living. It's a call to uh, for a hunger for, for more of him. 
to longing to know the truth of God in a greater sense of awe, admiration, that's supposed to be fascination, adoration. You can go to the next slide. Psalm 145 says, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Acts 9.31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. It's an interesting verse. The church was living in the fear of the Lord and recognizing the voice of the Spirit and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. So let's just take a moment and, and, and pray that God will just bring us this back, the sense of awe and wonder and fascination for more of Him and a hunger for more of the Word, a hunger for more of the truth, a hunger for more of Jesus every single day. Just take a few seconds and pray. God, I just pray, Lord, that, uh, that we would recognize how great you are, how majestic you are, how wonderful you are, and how small we are. And that the thought that you, the God of the universe, wants to speak to me. Somebody with insecurities and, and, and doubts and, and shame and guilt, and Lord, you want to free us from that. And give us freedom. And have a relationship with you. Lord, I just thank you, God, because you are great and you are worthy of all praise. Lord, eternity is in the palm of your hand. And so, Lord, help us to live with eternity in mind. Lord, it is said that you have put uh, eternity in all our hearts, just longing for you in all of our hearts. Help us to recognize that every single day. Lastly, go to the next slide. It's a call to tell others about Jesus. A call for boldness and courage, for a greater understanding of the gospel. A call for open doors and opportunities and in favor with our communities. You can throw the scriptures up. Jeremiah 29 says, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is, is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though, we, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Just take a moment and just pray for boldness in Jesus' name.
God, I just pray for an opportunity to tell others about you. Lord, whether, whether it be uh, in, the st- in, the, in the store, or in a home, to family, or at work, or where, wherever anybody is, Lord, I pray, God, that you would give us a, a boldness and a passion for you. But God, my, much like Paul, when he recognized where people were at, he recognized how they thought, and, and he sat down, and, and I'm sure he, he listened to them, and, and he did his homework on, on them. Lord, and, and his display of the gospel was to understanding ears, and he displayed it in a way that they could get. Lord, I know that there are many people going through stuff that prevent them from hearing the gospel. And so maybe a a start to that is just to listen, to reflect the love of God on them and to ask if we can pray for them. And Lord, that you just open doors to tell people about you. Lord, 1 Peter 3.15 says to always be prepared to bring a message in love and gentleness and respect. So Lord, help us to do that. Give us opportunities to spread your word. In Jesus' name. Um, the last thing, I don't have a slide for it, but I, I just felt God calling us to do that is a lot of this has been like what you can do individually, but I recognize that, hey, you know what? Like we're all a church, okay? We're all like the, the church is a family. That's what it's meant to be. And so I want to take a moment and just pray for each other. And so what I want to do is that um, I'm not going to ask for spoken needs, but what I want to do is in, in Little Currents, hello, sorry, I haven't looked at the camera very much. I see you. Not, you know what I mean, okay? Um, I, um, what I want to do now is like if, if you just got a need, if you need a miracle, if, or, or if you know somebody else who is in need. We had a lot of prayer requests and a lot of people submitting those requests on behalf of people who couldn't be there. Um, what I want to do is, if you have a need of any kind, I just want you just to, to raise your hand right now. And I'd be surprised if, you know, my hand's up too. You know, I've got a need. All right? Keep, keep your hands up. And what I want to do, if, you know, I want you just to, to take a look around. And if your hands aren't raised, all right, I just want you to go to somebody and pray with them for the next 30 seconds, Okay? I think this is part of being uncomfortable, but a lot of us know each other here, and I think we should be praying for one another, because that's what the church does, okay? And so I'm going to give you 30 seconds to a minute, so just, if you need if you need prayer, just keep your hands raised, just look around you, you know, if you've got to get up out of your seat, all right? We're going to pray for people in the house of God this morning, because we're Christians, and we pray to God, and we believe that God can do some great things. Does anybody believe God can actually perform a miracle? this morning. Or maybe it's just me, all right? And maybe, just maybe in in order for me to understand that, I need to move and pray for somebody, okay? So look around you. Lay your hands on somebody or stretch your hands out. I don't care. We're praying for people. So Jesus, move in this place. Do miracles today. 
Lord, for those who have their hands raised, God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recognize, Lord, that you still perform miracles today. Lord, you are not a dead God. Lord, I remember back to um, my, my teacher in Bible college who reminded us day after day, Lord, that same power that we read about 2,000 years ago is available to us today. That the same power that, that we saw, the, the same uh, Spirit of God performing miracles and, 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 uh, and, and, and healing people and restoring people and saving people, Lord, that is here in this room today. So God, I pray, Lord, for those who need it, God, for those who need a miracle, Lord, would you work in their lives? Lord, would you uh, supernaturally meet their needs? Holy Spirit, would you speak to people? Would you open blind eyes, God? Would you cure uh, anxieties and, and, and stress and, and pain? Lord, I pray, Lord, um, for those who have been struggling a long time, God, for, for freedom in Jesus' name. For those who are sick often, Lord, would you uh, bring them freedom in Jesus' name? For those who, who have cancer, Lord, or, or are struggling with uh, any sort of illness that way, Lord, would you bring them freedom in Jesus' name? And Lord, we are declaring all this in your name because this is who you are and this is what you do. Lord, you do not call us to come and, and sit simply and listen to, to a message and just be, oh, that was so beautiful, that was so wonderful. But Lord, you have called us to believe in a supernatural God who does supernatural things. And so, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just increase our faith this morning, Lord, to know that you want to move in our midst. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for your greatness. Lord, we exalt your name, praise you, worship you, Lord. God, I I pray, Lord, that uh, even this, this week, Lord, even though we might be done with the season of prayer and fasting, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just continue the, to, to keep the flame going that has been stirred up in our hearts these past three weeks. Lord, even if we didn't do the fast, whatever, God, I pray that you would just pour out this, this fire in our hearts, just like Jeremiah. This fire for, for, for your word that, that just we can't contain it. And Lord, I pray, God, that as, as we move and, and as we live our day and recognize, Lord, your hand on our lives, I pray, Lord, that our testimony, Lord, the work that you've done in us would display the goodness of God, or that we would see dry bones come to life. Lord, may we think greater of you. May we fear you. And we glorify you this morning. Jesus' name. Let's just stand across this place in Little Current, and you know what? If you're watching online, you can stand too. All right, let's just stand. We're gonna we're gonna worship together, and uh, just believe God to continue moving in this place.